guys, welcome back to This Is What Blind Looks Like. This is season, season two. two. So we took a hiatus. I didn't announce it publicly, and I know that I should have. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you about my experiences in training, especially since we're in a pandemic currently. So let's get into it. Okay, so Angie's training experience is very unique, and she wants to tell us all about it. So I'll be going into a little bit of in my training experience since ours were at the same place and are similar in some aspects. But since Angie was in training during a pandemic, we feel it's important for her to discuss how different her training was. So I'll be going through questions that are mostly geared towards Angie, but I'll pop in with a few of my answers of my own. And the first question is, Angie, what is training and what made you decide to go into it? Okay, so I went to training at a specific training center in Minneapolis. And what made me want to go through training was the fact that I was applying for jobs and not getting hired and I was just sick and tired of just feeling so upset or discouraged that I wasn't getting hired. So I thought, why not go into training instead of sitting and wallowing because no one's hiring me. And I knew the reason why I was not getting hired. And I knew that I did not have the blindness skills that I needed. I felt like it was a perfect opportunity to just go to training because I wasn't tied down to anything. I wasn't married. And I'm still not married. I'm still very single. I'm going to just put that out there. <laughs> For the internet to know, <laughs> I don't have a family, like I, you know, like I don't have kids and I don't have a job. So I thought it was just perfectly the right time to go into training. And the one thing that you have to take into consideration when you go to training is the fact that these are nine months of your life that you are putting into this. When you do have the opportunity to go to training, take it because later on you won't be able to pause nine months of your life and say, oh, I'm going to go to training now. And another reason why I decided to go to training was because my vision does fluctuate. And even though I have some vision, my vision is not effective for me to do most things. I will say that one of my challenges was learning braille because I was never taught braille as a child. My parents didn't have the resources to tap into and they just went by whatever they were told that I would need to be successful and my teachers didn't think that I would benefit from braille. So, and that happens to a lot of people with partial vision is they are told, no, you don't need braille you'll be fine and not realize that when you hit high school and college and you get all these lengthy reading materials, you're dealing with eye strain, headaches, neck pain. Really think that I would have been a lot more successful had I learned Braille early on. My reason I went into it more in detail in our fourth episode, but my vision was changing and I knew that it would take adjustment to blindness skills to get me to continue with life. And I think that takes a big effort on Angie's part and a sense of maturity and responsibility to come to that conclusion. Like I need help. There are places out there that has training opportunities to me to help me get the services I didn't as a child no blame is laid on anyone, but typically if you have sight as a child, your education experience is 
to follow along with your sighted peers and to not need braille. And it's just a assumption on school districts part that you won't need braille, but braille literacy is a whole new topic that we could talk about forever. What else made you decide to go to training besides that? I knew I needed braille because I reading was a big part of my life and I actually got some non-residential training in Wisconsin that was not up to par as far as my fluctuated vision. And I learned the hard way that I needed to go to a center that focused on non-visual techniques, that focused on the sleep shades. I wanted to avoid the sleep shades altogether because that terrified me. Mm. But I learned the hard way, unfortunately, that that was the way I needed to learn. And so that drove me to go to a center that revolved around the non-visual techniques. And mm-hmm. that's what made me decide to do that. And like you, Angie, it was a time in my life that it was convenient for me to do that. And some people say, should I do it before college or after college? The most percentage of people that that question is raised to says that you should do it before college. Angie, would you agree with the training you got that you could have used those skills before college? Oh, absolutely. I think that it would have benefited me a lot, but I went through a period where I put training on the back burner. Like one of my friends was like, so he's like, have you thought about getting training? Have you thought about it? Would you consider it? Like he wasn't, he was in no means like shoving it down my throat or anything. He was just looking ways to help me. And I, and I was just like, I don't think I need it. I don't think I need it. I think I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And this one time he asked me, he's like, why do you keep evading the question I ask, you know, when it comes to training? And I said, I don't know. I don't think I need it. You know, I thought it was for people that were like drastically losing vision or, have just lost vision. He's like, it's not even about that. It's about what happens when your vision isn't effective for you to do something. He's like, are there areas that you feel uncomfortable? And I admitted to him, I told him how I felt. This was like before I actually considered training. Mm -hmm. And when I made the ultimate decision, he helped me with my justification letter. And I'm really, really thankful that I got through it because I'm also do I also did this training as preventative measures because right now I have some vision but I don't know if it's forever going to remain that way. It's uncertain since I'm predisposed to retinal detachment and my peripheral retina in my good eye is degenerating. I have extensive degeneration so And for those of you that don't know, the peripheral retina, it's like the edges of your retina. So, yeah, that's degenerating for me. And I'll get into my eye condition in a little bit. I know I didn't fully explain it. And it is not, it is not by any means genetic. So that's all I'm going to say. For now. How long did it take us to get to training and why? You can you can launch into your explanation first. So it took me about a year. I fought for about a year with folk rehab to get to training. I had a counselor switch. So I remember summer of 2018, I told my then counselor that I wanted to pursue training and I gave her all the info she needed. I I had written a justification letter and I got flat out denied. She's like, I don't think, I don't know how this will be beneficial with employment and, you know, and of course going to training is geared toward employment because you're not only learning how to be successful on the job, but with your life. So, and if you're not successful with your life and know how to take care of yourself, how are you going to be successful on the job? Like, there's no way. So I fought for about a year and then 
So I told my then counselor and then I got switched and then I brought up the issue again, got denied again, had to fight. And I got the NFB of Wisconsin involved. They advocated for me. They vouched for me. We had advocacy committee meetings and things like that. And everybody's fight to go to training is different. Most of the people that I've spoken to that want to go to a training center like this that is based on structured discovery, meaning you have to wear sleep shades if you and, and and the sleep shades are only needed if you have some sort of remaining vision even if you have light perception you have to wear sleep shades because you are learning how to hone in your other senses and it, the the thing is it's not that that they want you to completely forget about your vision. No, it's, they want you to learn these skills. So when your vision is not effective and that's what the sleep shades are for. And I, I really understood structured discovery training and I'm glad that I went to a structured discovery training center because that helped me so much and I really value it. I knew it was going to be hard and it, and it took me a lot to adjust to my sleep shades. Because, I mean, I was terrified, but I, I, I just, I got through it and I was just like, no, I, I need to do this. And, you know, I, I also got a talking to from one of my instructors, as he would say, you know, swift kick in the butt, you know, we all need that sometimes. And I'm really grateful for that because that made me realize you just have to deal with it and get through it in order to prove to them why training was so crucial for me to go through I had to obviously get a retinal exam I haven't gone to see my retina specialist for like over four years so I knew I was due for one anyway and they also made me take a visual field test which I've never done and, oh my god, let me tell you, that was just, <sighs> I hated it. I will say I hated it. I remember, uh, they actually wrote this on my report. The technician wrote this in my report. I kept asking the technician so many times when it was over and when it was over. Because with the field test, what they have you do is they test your, I think it's your central and your peripheral. I'm not sure. Um, I think either or, I don't remember, but they have you put your head in this bowl shaped machine and they have you stare at this light. They have you like just fixate on this like light. And when you see light flashes, you click, you click a button and that's how they test your visual field. And they tried getting the most accurate reading that they could, but my nystagmus wasn't helping. <laughs> so, but yeah, that field test read that I had a less than 20 degree visual field, which the normal vision acuity is 2020. So, 2200 is legally blind. So, whatever somebody with 2020 vision could see at 200 feet. The person with 2200 vision has to be 20 feet to see it. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, in, in short, I had to go through a retinal exam and finally I was, I was given the go-ahead in the summer that I was approved to go to training. So, that was awesome. Like, just going through all those loopholes that was necessary to make them see that I had to go through training. That's why I did all those tests. But it was good for me too because I was able to really see 
what I was capable of doing and things like that. And a lot of people that I talked to were like, oh, but they're making you go through all these loopholes. And I'm like, well, you got to do what you got to do, right? I mean, not every state is going to let you go just like that. I mean, there's some people that don't even have to fight. And other, you know, most people do because not every counselor understands blindness. Nor do they understand the benefits of going through training, so... One of the reasons why it took me so long, it took me longer than Angie. It took me 15 months. And unfortunately, every person in Wisconsin has to go through this. It seems to be a Wisconsin thing. I can't vouch for other states, but I would be very envious in my training when I heard that other states just pushed their clients straight into training. Whereas for me and Angie, we had to fight for a year or so and all of our friends had to do the same for me it wasn't fighting for because of my vision was bad it was because of with dvr they try to keep their funds in wisconsin um as for our state and it's a bureaucracy thing and i understand that but when you have a person going through vision loss or even not going through vision loss. They need the resources that are available. And it's not our fault that they're not in Wisconsin. Mind you, I already went through Wisconsin training. I didn't get the full immersion experience when it came to Wisconsin training. And we had to prove to them that, look, Wisconsin training is actually more expensive than the training at the National Federation of the Blind Centers. And this is what I would get out of it that I did not get in Wisconsin. And I already went through Wisconsin, but I didn't get the proper adjustment to blindness skills in those training. And I want to stress that I'm not trying to say that Wisconsin training is bad. It was not to my standards. And it's hard when you have to fight all this time to get training that you know you need and deserve. And I know for other people, it's hard going through those months and months of people denying you and telling you no when you know that is what you need. And you just wanna shake them and say, if you were blind, wouldn't you want to have the same, the utmost experience possible to get your life back on track? And there's people, including myself, that fall into a pit of despair as this is going on only to be denied time and time again when all you want is to get the training that you need so desperately and people are telling you you can't it's it's really hard going through that process and it's not fair at all but going through that difficulty was beneficial in the long run I didn't know that years later I would be helping Angie get through her training, I went with her to go to her DVR counselor's appointment and to vouch for the center and say, this is what she needs. This is what I got out of it. Yeah, you want her to go to a Wisconsin training center? I've been through that. It's It wasn't good enough for me. And she you shouldn't be telling her not to go to something just because it's out of state. So in the long run, I suppose it's fine, but that was my, me and Angie's experiences trying to get there. So the next question I'll go to is where the center is located. And I want to also impress upon everyone the building, if you want to go into that, Angie. The particular center that I went to is located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it is located in the historical, beautiful Pillsbury Mansion. So, this mansion is absolutely gorgeous. I remember when I went to tour last May, before I went to training, I got, like, Harry Potter vibes. Like, I told myself, oh my god, I'm gonna go to Blind <laughs> Hogwarts, because it it looks gorgeous. I mean, it's just, it, it's got these like 
I get like the like the old English castle. I don't know, it just it just has that look. And actually the grand staircase, which is the big staircase that you go up to go to the second floor was actually shipped from England. Like they brought it from England a very long time ago and the the mansion is just beautiful just gorgeous and it's four stories tall it has they remodeled it some of the rooms like they remodeled the kitchen and there's stained glass windows and it's definitely impressive and it's like oh wow i know it was building like the pillsbury family it was it's around 1900s architecture and like in the 1920s one of the bedrooms has it was hugely uh luxurious back then but it has one of those showers that like the water jets come out from like the sides and everything they spared no expense so it's kind of cool being in it and then the streets in minneapolis it made it easier to travel because in one direction they're mostly numbered in order in the other direction they have their streets in alphabetical order so that made it a little easier when traveling if you're on 23rd street you go down one and it's 22nd obviously and if you're on i can't remember the streets like if you're on sheridan you go over to one it's the T Street. So that was that was very interesting. And that's what made me want to stay there so much because it was like a grid and it was so easy to find your way back because of the structure of the streets. And I will say that the public transit, oh my gosh, Minneapolis, I love the vibe there. It's so blind friendly. And it is just wonderful the light rail the the buses well i i mainly took the light rail i loved taking the light rail and i miss it so i unfortunately i i mean i i also i also had plans to stay but what happened was covid decided to come in and ruin it but we'll we'll get into that we'll get into that sit tight I know this is probably going to be a long episode, but we have so much to say, and yeah, let's 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 move on to the next question, shall we? What made you decide to go to the location of the training center you went to? Just for our listeners to know, there are three NFB training centers. One is in Minneapolis. One is in. Louisiana and one is in Colorado and the reason I chose was it was close I could just hop on a bus in Wisconsin was next door but what was your reason Angie for choosing the one in Minnesota well the reason why I chose the one in Minnesota was just because I'd like you it was close and if my family needed anything I could just hop on a bus and just go So that's one of the reasons why I chose it. And another reason why I chose it was because every training center has different activities. So I know the one in Colorado, you go rock climbing. Louisiana, you go to Mardi Gras. Blind Ink, you go dog sledding. And I'm a dog person. I love dogs and Going dog sledding was something I've always wanted to do as a child, so it just really stuck out to me, and I'm just kind of like, okay, I want to go to Blind Ink. I want to go dog sledding, and I was able to do that. It was fun. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I was under sleep shades, so I wasn't able to see the dogs pulling the sled, but oh man, I would love to do that again, and that was just amazing. Like, the adrenaline rush was just great. It was exhilarating. I love. I loved it so much. But anyway, that was why I chose it. And I will say that the NFB training centers are not the only structured discovery centers that you could go to. 
There are several structured discovery centers that you could go to besides the three NFB centers. And there's Iowa, and they are in Des Moines. So the Iowa Department for the Blind is in Des Moines. There's a center in New Mexico, Nebraska, I believe Virginia. There's the one in Hawaii. There is Savvy in Arizona. And Bism in Baltimore. And that might be it. That might not be. I don't know. So for me, the classes were careers, industrial arts, communications, which involved learning computer programs that are accessible in different apps and iOS and JAWS and or MacBooks and then in Braille the home management class and that involved daily living skills like cleaning, um, cooking, oh cooking, meal prepping, laundry, yeah. Things like that. And then travel. So those were the classes that were the essential regular classes, kind of self-explanatory. But Angie, I know you mentioned to me, I did not know this because of staff training and stuff, you weren't able to get industrial arts and that involves wood shop, making things with saws, etc. And mind you, they were very cautious and there were guards on the saws you were taught the instructors knew what you were doing. You were taught with the either completely blind instructors or a regular sighted instructor. But in order to be an instructor at these training centers, they need to have at least six weeks of sleep shade training before they go through being an instructor. So they are fully aware of the adaptations that need to be made for the blind and those high standards are what we need to help with confidence but Angie you were not able to have that experience and I know you wish you would have. Yes I really missed out on that and unfortunately they didn't have an instructor to teach and (laughs) I had plans on what I wanted to make too. I was so like so excited I'm like oh I'm gonna make this like mirrorless makeup vanity table and that never happened but that's okay I still got the skills that I needed like I I had communications which is braille technology so I learned how to read and write braille which I'm still working on the reading part and I learned technology so how to use voiceover on my macbook because I am strictly a mac user And I learned how to use voiceover on my iOS devices. And I also, there's home management. So cooking, cleaning, meal prepping, that kind of stuff, which I loved. It was one of my favorite classes. And I will say that I, I loved all my instructors. They were amazing. Shout out to you guys. You guys know who you are. I love you and miss you guys so much. I've learned so much from you guys. And I am working hard on putting my skills to use. So I don't forget them. But anyway, so there was home management. There was travel, which was scary at first, but then I, I got the hang of it. And I had a very, very good cane travel instructor. And personal management, which was things like budgeting, how to do laundry, that kind of stuff apartment hunting so anything like that was a personal goal of yours you could learn in that class and then I also had a fitness class which was so much fun and I I really enjoyed it and I had a, a great instructor who was just amazing and that really helped a little bit with my balance because I have balance issues it's not just a vision thing but I I also do have a little bit of vertigo because of uh of flying on a plane one year when I came back my 
it, it, I was just, I was having some imbalance issues. So yeah, I, I do, I do have some vertigo because of that. So that's why my balance is off aside from vision. So, but, uh, I'm able to catch myself if I feel like I'm going to fall, which is good. And also that really helped me out with my spatial awareness because I wanted to improve that. And that was also like my goal for travel was to just really hone in my cane skills. I, my travel skills were decent coming into training, but I knew that they could be better and I'm a lot better, a lot more confident. And I'm glad that I was able to just go through training when I did because I am still planning on going through the whole guide dog thing. I can't wait to, to just be a part of the guide dog life and I know for a fact that the guide dog life is right for me and I can't wait till COVID calms down so I could do that so that that'll be a great adventure. One thing that was unique about my experience is that at the time I wanted to go into music therapy so one of the instructors taught me piano and he taught me to read music in braille and so shout out to that instructor for some of my communications classes twice a week we go down to one of the rooms in the building that was the same meeting room that we have our nfb meetings or activities in that involve the whole student body and he taught me piano and that was something he did that was above and beyond that's not the typical experience as a person these instructors they have other skills beyond the classes that they teach and if you need something they'll go out of their way to teach you or find someone to teach you etc so let's see you kind of told us your favorite class was cooking, Angie. I loved learning Braille. It opened up my world as far as, hey, even though I'm blind, I can still kind of have the same hobbies, finally. And although audiobooks are great, it, it was beyond thrilling to me to be able to read in Braille again. But... The next question is, what was your most challenging class? I would say beyond a shadow of a doubt, mine was travel. What was yours, Angie? I will say, okay, it's kind of a toss-up for me. With travel, I really struggled with mental mapping. That was my nemesis. But I got better at it, and I'm still trying to improve that skill because... That skill is needed, whether you're a cane user or dog user, that skill is very, very much needed because you need to know where you're at, where you're going, and what you're doing. And it's important. It's very, very important. Another class that was challenging for me was Braille. Like I said, I had a love and hate relationship with Braille. When I would get it, I'd be like, yay. When I would get it, I'd be like, I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to learn how to read Braille. And then almost at the ending of my training, I had a breakthrough. I was reading on a Braille XL, which is a Braille display made by Hims, And I was like, oh my God, I can read Braille. Like I, I, it finally clicked. And I want to thank my Braille instructor for that because It's honestly, like, it was just amazing. Like, my Braille instructor really just made me love Braille. And and if I got frustrated, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to just breathe and try again, you know? So that was amazing. And my first Braille instructor that I had before I got switched out, she was awesome, too, like, she always reminded me, no squishy braille, <laughs> touch it lightly, <laughs> touch it lightly. And that was the thing for me. Like I, 
Braille on paper is a little challenging for me to read. I can read it, but it's a little challenging. Again, because I learned Braille as an adult and not a child, so <laughs> I can read Braille better on a display. I don't know about you, Kimberly, but that's the case for me. Yeah, I had a hard time with it being on paper, trying to get to the next line. Like, I would always get lost, so I learned to take my, I read my braille with my right hand, but take my left hand and kind of find the next line as I'm reading the line before it. So that helped me, but it's definitely different on a braille display than on paper. It was challenging on paper. And to differentiate between the dots takes time. Yeah, I will, I will say that as well. And also, single-space braille? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm still trying to get used to it. I I really am. But no, yeah. I, I, I'm still practicing my braille reading skills because it's important. Yeah, especially with braille, you need to keep up on it. I know someone who said they learned it four times. And things that I'm sure other training centers do, but that I liked at the training center was that they gave you, um, they had you pick out a book of some sort to uh, keep up your braille skills outside of class. And I chose at the time to read Vampire Academy because all my friends were telling me about it. So that was the book I read outside of class. And even in class on Fridays, it was kind of a leisure day if you did your slate homework. And my teacher's like, I'm just tickled that you want to read on Fridays because most of the students would be like, I'm checking my email. I'm checking my Facebook. I'd be like, yes, maybe I can get a page in today. You know? <laughs> you know? So I do know that for most people, Braille is quite challenging. And I had a lot of friends who were like, I hate Braille, you know, like that I, I, I'm not good at it. You know, they'd be like, here, you read this. <laughs> that know? was me. That was me all the way. I will admit I fought. <laughs> I fought. I I'm still practicing my reading. <laughs> so almost everywhere I go, if they have Braille signage, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this. I know I can do it. And then with the elevators too, I'm just like, okay. I mean, I don't even look at the, the elevator numbers anymore. I just take my fingers and start reading in Braille. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, That's which is great. amazing. But, yeah, I'm still working on, on that, on practicing. I, I need to call people and read because there's a lot of people like, oh, you can call me and read to me anytime. And I'm so bad at that. <laughs> I just get so busy with life and... Oh. <laughs> But no, yeah, I've got friends yeah, in, in, in Minneapolis. Up, I don't mind. <laughs> I know. I have friends in Minneapolis and friends here, too. They're like, oh, call me and just read to me anytime. And I'm like, okay, because that helps me, too. It motivates me. Because <laughs> I'm one of those people, like, That's awesome. I need to read to somebody. So I'm like, you know. When in your training did things change and how did it affect your classes? All right. So, here's what happened. <laughs> so, we all know COVID started around March. Before COVID got really bad, I went to Wisconsin's state convention. And so, that was so much fun. And then I also went dog sledding. So, after dog sledding, I want to say... Yeah, it was after dog sledding that COVID hit us. It was around March. I want to say, like, mid-March. Something like that. And I I was so anxious. I was like, oh my god. Like, I wasn't anxious because of COVID. I was just, like, I remember before the center closed, the day before the center closed, I was at the center and then I wasn't feeling well. And I was just so anxious. And and I was just like, it's not because of, like, what I'm reading. I just feel really anxious. Like, I just don't feel good. So, I went home. And then the day after, they closed the center. And I remember it was just a very, very anxiety-induced time. Like, 
everybody was so anxious and people were going home. So like most of the people that I went to training with went back to their home state to be with their family. And I completely understood that, but I chose to stay back. And I remember talking to my parents, like I spoke to my mom and I told her, I stayed back because I felt like this time was going to be a crucial time for me and it was really going to challenge me. And I wanted to challenge myself. Another reason why I stayed back was because I knew that if I went home, my counselor was probably not going to allow me to return back to training. No doubt. (laughs) Yeah, she was a very, very difficult counselor to work with. So I was just like, no, I, I fought so hard to get here. I'm staying here. And then another reason why I stayed back was because some of the students that I befriended were anxious and they were going to stay back home and I just thought, well, might as well stay and give them a place they could come to and make sure they're okay and stuff like that and keep them company. So I stayed back. I wanted to prove myself that I could do it and I could stick to my guns and, and get through it despite any situation because this is this pandemic that we're in right now is unlike no other situation that we've ever seen. Like, no one's ever been through it. Nobody can say, I was at a training center during a pandemic. And this is something that our country has never seen. Well, yeah, sure, there was the Great Depression, but a global pandemic where everyone has to wear face masks and social distance and and not have any get-togethers, like, this is something that we've never seen. So... Yeah, I mean, it so, was it was hard, but, you know. So, how did it affect your classes? It affected my classes for the fact that we had to go virtual. But I loved that the sensor, like, Blind Incorporated was able just to just come up with a way to just still allow us to have classes. So, we had classes virtually over Zoom. Like, we had seminar, and and uh, we had staff that were at the apartments helping us out. So, that was really, really good. Like, we, Blind Ink really prepared themselves very well to make sure that, as, a, as students, we were getting what we needed. Um, so, shout out to them for that. They were just amazing. And also after the stay at home lifted where where places were starting to open back up we slowly slowly started doing in-person instruction but we were adhering by the cdc guidelines with like social distancing and wearing masks and stuff like that and then almost by the time that i left like a bit before i want to say like two weeks before i finished my training we went back into the mansion again. So, like, how did you do travel? Did they give you a place to go when you went? Were you that far into training? Or were you with someone during travel? Or how did that go? No, I was already going to places on my own. So my instructor would give me assignments to go to, and I would I would complete them. So what about cooking? cooking how did that work? I, I, did my, I did my small meal at the apartments, actually. Oh, when I was prepping, you know, practicing for my small meal, I had my instructor talk to me over the phone and go through a recipe with me and stuff like that. And I just practiced it by myself for the times that I needed somebody there. There was somebody there with me, you know, just making sure I was okay. And if there was anything I needed, they were there. Um, This was all at the apartment and I was able to do my small meal at the apartment by myself I made sure that I managed my time wisely. I wrote down everything I needed to do, how I was going to execute it. I turned off the lights, put on my sleep shades, got to it, got cooking, and it, it turned out well. It turned out very well. 
I awesome. Yeah, I I that was the only the only requirement that I was able to do. I wasn't able to do a large meal because of COVID. I did well despite the circumstances. I was so happy and it really just I proved to myself I can do this. I can cook. And during quarantine I just fell in love with the kitchen. I was, like, cooking at my apartment, cooking things I've never cooked before, trying new things. I was just like, I got this. I love this, you know? And I would always cook cook for friends and and offer them food. And, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful time, honestly. A wonderful time to just do something you love. And, and I, I really just fell in love with the kitchen, so... Good. Let's thank quarantine for that. (laughs) (laughs) I know you had to deal with some personal issues during your training. Would you like to go through that? Yeah, I'll go through that. Explain. (laughs) So, when I first started my training in October, I think that everyone goes through homesickness at one point. I just... I didn't think that it was going to hit me when I was in training. I was just like, no, there's no way I could be homesick. You only go through homesickness as a kid. Like, you're an adult now. Like, what? <laughs> I didn't I didn't know whether my feelings were valid or not. And, like, one of my friends, you know, she's a bit older than me. She, she was just amazing. Like, I... I really just went to her for for so many things, and she was just a sweetheart. She was like, honey, it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, you know? I just, I just got so homesick. And I remember, like, I missed my dog, my family, and my brother. Like, my brother and I are very close. And I was just so... Oh my god, it was just crazy because, so I got sick with a cold around, like, October, November. No, it was October. It was, like, late October. And I missed out on making pumpkin seeds because of that. So I stayed home with a cold, and I asked one of my friends who was my neighbor if he could bring me some Sudafed. And he he brought me Sudafed, and... Then he gave me these two little chocolate bars, and <laughs> I just got so homesick. As I was just thinking, oh my god, like this is something. This is something my brother would have done for me. I got so homesick; it was so bad, but I got through it, you know. And and I just came to realize that homesickness is a thing that, regardless of how old you are, you go through it, and it's perfectly okay, and it's fine, and your feelings are valid. So. There was that, and then in the middle of my training in May, I got this call saying that my dog wasn't feeling so well, and I was like, oh no. (laughs) So they rushed her to the ER, and within, like, I had to make a decision within the span of two hours. Like, I I find out she has cancer. We didn't know she was sick because the cancer that she had was really hard to detect. And what had happened was that my dog intermittently collapsed and she was not responding. So they took her to the ER and I find all this out and I'm crying. I'm all alone at my apartment. I don't know what to do. This all hit me all of a sudden and I just wasn't psychologically able to just make a decision like I felt like oh my god I can't I can't make a decision because this is just so sudden and so unexpected and I couldn't believe it and I spoke to my parents and you know my my dad was like look we need to let her go because surgery it's not guaranteed that she'll make it we need to let her go. Cause at first I was like, no, just do anything, whatever you can to save her. And then they explained to me what was going on. And I had to tell the vet techs that we were just going to let her go. And I got to say goodbye to her over the phone. And it, 
it really, really, it still to this day hits me really, really hard. I'm trying not to get emotional, but I'm probably going to cry. Um, it hits me so hard because the last time I ever saw her was Christmas and I didn't think that I was going to ever like not see her again. And I wasn't able to yeah. be there for her because of COVID and, um, I know. It was just really, really difficult because I I lost her. She was like my everything and just knowing that I wasn't gonna see her again it really hit me and it, it it's still till this day I I still like I still think she's gonna come over and greet me and I don't I don't Aww. have that anymore, so it was just so that that really affected my training, but I'm so grateful that I had friends to lean on during that time because learning something like that when you're all alone in your apartment at like 10 at night is just it is horrific it is so it's so unexpected and in a way like traumatizing because it's something that you never expect to hear and I that was really hard like it really put a damper on my training and I was just so out of it and then come June I find out my brother wasn't doing well medically but he's doing better now thank god but that was a shock to me I was just so out of it for a week again and I had to push myself like it was so hard and like I told one of my instructors because my instructor was like you've been coming late to class every day what's going on and I was just like this is going on and he's like well can you change it and I'm like no and you know he gave me a good talking to and it was a swift kick in the butt but it was something that I really needed to like get myself together you know and that really yeah. helped me and I, I thanked him for that because I needed it. Like, I was not myself. I was so out of it. And, yeah, those kinds of things just can really have an effect on you. Like, I I lost my dog during training. I wasn't there to say goodbye. <laughs> that was just so... It was something I, I would have never imagined. Ever. But you know That's things hard. happen but <laughs> so those are my personal issues but it's you a got through life. it yeah <laughs> I got through it <laughs> how about you Somehow. how about you did you <laughs> did you have anything come up during training not really I mean training was hard and sometimes things you go through outside of training affect your training definitely I can't really go into specific detail but I know that things that you're going through personally can definitely have an effect on your training because it's not always something you can block out so I know with life experience that things take a toll on you people say oh just leave it at the door it's not that simple some people can throw themselves in everybody reacts differently to outside influences and it's not easy to go through them I know I've had rough times where my depression has gotten in the way and I've had I've had lots of health issues especially recently that I'm still dealing with and it's it's hard because it's not something that you can always control the tears you can't just turn them off i've learned the hard way it's hard to go out in public because there's a stigma of you're not supposed to cry in public you're supposed to put on an air of confidence and i'm fine and i know that sometimes you just don't want to be out in public because you're afraid that you'll break down i know it I've been through that really recently and unfortunately health issues get in the way or mental issues or emotional issues get in the way and it's not always something that we can control and sometimes you just need to 
have support of people around you. You don't know how you did it, but you got through the day somehow, you know, and just keep praying and trying to get through it. Yeah. So I know how it can be. Yeah. So I had a lot of support, thankfully. I had friends that were there for me and stood by me and and that really helped me out so much and and I just had people there so that was that was great to just have that and also I'm really really thankful for that and the experience overall that I had with training was amazing there was some things that I already knew how to do like I already knew how to ask for shoppers assistance and things like that and that's that's thanks to the blind role models that I had like I had friends who would show me things and believe it or not I I learned a lot from them and it was during my training that I that I found that out about myself like one of my friends shout out to her she's just amazing like she she's always making sure we're okay and you know and and I during my training surprisingly I was the one (laughs) making sure people were okay like I I learned that from her and 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 it's not a blindness skill it's just a thing that you learn as a person like be there for people and make sure they're okay and and you know to take care of of people and and that's that's one thing that I out of many that I learned from her and I'm I'm so lucky for that so that was that was just amazing (laughs) now that I got to see what it was just like to to take care of friends and make sure they're fine and stuff like that so so graduation day what was it like for you for me it was everyone going around we were in the same room telling stories about me it was so nice I envy that you got yours recorded because I would I die to get mine recorded I had a friend who said I wish I recorded mine so on the days that I feel discouraged I can hear everyone's upbeat uh, positivity and encouragement and stuff but how was yours different from the typical graduation so I had my graduation via zoom there were also people like in different parts of the mansion just for social distancing guidelines and stuff like that and oh yeah cool. I actually recorded my own graduation because I wanted to keep that as a keepsake for myself you know just to go back and listen to that and just to, you know, show One myself thing you that, got to- that I, that I went through that momentum, you know, and whenever I'm feeling down, I'll just be like, well, look at what I accomplished. This is a personal goal that I wanted to get through and I did it, so... One thing that you got that I wish I would have had, but it would have probably made my graduation three times longer but you got to have people call in I I would have invited everyone I knew <laughs> I think if people got to call in but that's what you got to have um since COVID you know lots of your friends were long distance yeah so that, <laughs> I thought that was awesome yeah that was awesome unfortunately my parents weren't able to make it to the zoom call because they were busy but that's okay they came over the day after and we kind of celebrated a little bit and they're proud of my accomplishments like I have my bell on on my bookshelf in my room and it sits there very proudly and I just sometimes I just look at it and I'm like wow I did that and I've got my little pebble with me yep me too that's displayed along with my graduation certificate and my bell definitely I always have to show people when they come to my apartment I'm like look 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 at this this is what I got and I have to do the whole spiel and tell them about the whole graduation everything and so it's definitely when I dust you know I'm like oh yeah my certificate oh my bell you know when they have it engraved with the date and yeah and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say I have to, I want to frame my certificate so I can put it up. Um, Mine's framed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, there was that. Graduation was a very, a very bittersweet day, but a day full of successes. I, I had my last drop. <laughs> During yeah. graduation, so That's that was awesome. an adventure. <laughs> so that is why we took our hiatus, so Angie could complete a very, very long and challenging but rewarding life goal that will definitely help you succeed in life forever. Yeah, it's in training. Training takes a lot out of you, but it's still worth it in the end. When you complete all those milestones and all those goals, you just feel so rewarded and so happy and proud. And it's just something that I will never, ever take for granted. Like, I fought for this opportunity and it was amazing. And I'm just looking forward to what life has in store for me. And... Right now, I am job searching and apartment hunting. I really want to go back to Minneapolis. So that's in my plans for sure. I just fell in love with the city, the vibe there. It's so blind friendly. It's just wonderful. So, And they have really good transportation. So that's why I want to go back. So I'm working hard on finding a job. And hopefully that happens because I need a job and a place so (laughs) so that's where you stand right now yep um for me i'm pretty much same old same old i finally started my braille transcription certification classes after fighting for a while to do that path because dvr denied it at first and after i got to know the equipment a little better and blessed with friend support that could help me I'm doing that, and I also, since we uh, had our last podcast, I've also gotten into the audio description field where I've been formatting and doing scripts, things like that, for audio description that maybe we'll talk about in a future episode. We'll see, because it takes long to get into, and I won't ramble on longer than necessary, but so that's where we are at in our lives right now since we had our last episode it's just so amazing to just be back in front of a mic i haven't done it in a while so i know i'm so excited for this season it's gonna be awesome yes i can't wait for the season we have a lot of things planned which i will not go into you'll just have to wait and see and that is it so before we before we end this, I will say recently we we have been on Patreon. We just got a Patreon. You can find us on patreon.com. This is what blind looks like. And this Patreon is to help us bring more content to you. There's three tiers on Patreon that you can support us with. And it's monthly so five dollars a month will get you early access to episodes and ten dollars a month will give you early access to episodes and bonus content on patreon so we're gonna be a bit active on patreon that's what we're trying to do and twenty dollars a month will give you early access to episodes bonus content, and Q&A slash ask me anything. So you can ask us whatever and we'll interact with you in that way. We are also on Twitter, so shoot us a direct message. Get on get on our DMs. Uh, shoot us a direct message with any questions that you have, any suggestions on any topics that we could cover and talk about. And you can find us at Blind Looks Like on Twitter. The same thing with Facebook. 
facebook.com slash this is what blind looks like. We're there. You could always shoot us a message and let us know what we could talk about, any questions that you have for us. I really want to see more activity. Also, please, please rate and review us. We are on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn. Just review us because those reviews will help us. I really want to be on new and noteworthy section one day. So those reviews, those ratings will help us so much. And we're always looking forward to bring you content and talk to you. And even if it's just through this medium, like we, we really, really look forward to it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for the support and tune in next time. Bye guys.